This podcast is proudly sponsored by Aspire Autism Consultancy, the leading providers of autism and ADHD training, educating and enabling families, therapists and healthcare professionals to gain knowledge and understanding of neurodiversity. The courses are written by two specialist psychotherapists and include the voices and lived experiences of neurodivergent individuals. For further details, go to www.aspireautismconsultancy.co.uk. Welcome to Different Minds, the podcast series about the different ways our brains can work and interpret information. Today, we're going to talk about mental health, and I'm delighted to be joined by Ollie Vixay from Andy's Man Club. Welcome to Different Minds, Ollie. Thanks, John. Cheers for having me, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. So I guess the first question is, what is Andy's Man Club? Um, so Andy's Man Club is a men's mental health and suicide prevention charity. Um, we run peer-to-peer support groups for men to attend across the country. We've got 70 groups um, across the UK at the moment, with an average of about 1,200 men attending every week. The idea being, it's, uh, it's quite a simple format. It's just a place where guys can go and talk to other like-minded men, um, get stuff off the chest in a secure, confidential and non-judgmental environment. Brilliant. And what do you do at Andy's Man Club yourself, Ollie? So I'm one of the project development champions here at Andy's Man Club. It's my job to um, look after the existing clubs that we've got and make sure our facilitators are all okay and well-equipped and well-stocked, um, but also to go out and open new groups um, in areas that we, we don't have any coverage um, and sort of deliver presentations that raise awareness around the work that we're doing um, and challenge the stigmas around men's mental health and um, let guys know that it is okay to talk. What's your own story then when it comes to, to mental health, Ollie? What's your, what's your journey? I got involved with Andy's Man Club. Um, it was actually the very first session that we ever held. Um, I was in quite a, a low point in my life at that time. Um, I'd just been through quite a, quite a messy relationship breakup. Um, and following that breakup, I was actually homeless for about eight months. Um, during that time, I, I lost a couple of friends to suicide in quite close succession, um, and a, another friend to, to meningitis. Um, all of the guys were under the age of 25, all quite close to me. Um, the, the last one in particular, I've not, we went to nursery together. Um, so I've known him since I was about two, and right up to the weekend before he died, we played rugby together every weekend. Now, I wasn't dealing with, with any of these things properly at the time. I didn't talk about my feelings. I come from sort of a rugby background, um, which is steeped in, in the stigmas around men's mental health. Um, so I just kept everything bottled up and to myself, um, especially during that period where I didn't have any fixed abode. I didn't have my own place or my own space. So I was just almost in a survival state, if you like, getting up in the morning, going to work um, and trying to figure out what I was going to do on the evening. Now, it was actually when I found my own my own flat um, and started getting myself back on my feet. So I thought that all these feelings and emotions started coming out of the woodwork. Um, I wasn't used to having to spend any time on my own. I was either with the family unit that I left previously or friends or family that were taking me in whilst I was uh, whilst I had nowhere else to go. So when I had to come home from work and um, sit in a flat by myself um, with all these thoughts and feelings and emotions of everything that I'd been sort of blocking out for the last 18 months, um, it was really overwhelming. And, and quite simply, I, I couldn't sit there and, and process it. It was too much for my brain to handle at that time. So I actually found myself in the pub most evenings not necessarily, um, you know, to through dependency on alcohol or anything like that, but it was just for somewhere to go, 
be around other people and, and distract myself from all these thoughts and things like that. Um, now, I wouldn't advocate to anybody going to the pub to solve the problems. It just made things a lot worse. I was um, started showing up to work late, hungover, um, still drunk from the night before sometimes, sometimes phoning in sick to work altogether. And it was when I actually received um, my final warning from work that I realised that things needed to change. If I carried on on the path that I was going down, I was going to end up losing my job. And then that would be a whole new world of problems that I didn't need to deal with. So I went to see the doctor. Um, he signed me off uh, with depression for about six weeks. And it was during that six-week period that I found Andy's Man Club. Like I said, it was the first session that had been held. I would call it good luck, call it fate, whatever it might be. Um, but I attended that session on that, that Monday evening with um, not really knowing how to feel about what attending in the first place, about going there. And um, I was I was worried. I was scared about talking about these things. I'd, I'd been bottling up for such a long time that had been weighing on my mind and then been carrying that burden to myself for, for such a long time but I was also excited for the first time in a long time there was sort of the prospect of um, change there was an element of hope uh, which I've not felt in a long time when I walked through the door I was met with um, a warm smile from from Luke the, the founder of Andy's Man Club and Elaine Luke threw me the ball um, after a quick introduction and he said quite simply why don't you tell us your name and why you're here um, and I needed no more invitation to talk about all these things that I'd been uh, bottling up for such a long time. Like I said, I knew that I needed to, to get help, that I needed to change things. And as soon as I started talking, all of these things started falling out of my mouth, everything that I've just told you. Um, but also little things that I didn't even realise that were bothering me at the time, but they were they must have been, because as soon as I started talking, they started coming out as well. Now, I passed the ball to the guy on my right-hand side, um, and he did exactly the same and so on and so forth until it had been around all nine of the guys there that night. Um, and the atmosphere in the room after we'd all finished sharing our stories was absolutely electric. It was like nothing I'd felt before. Um, I honestly felt like I could have floated home that night. The feeling of that uh, weight being lifted, the burden that I'd been carrying around for such a long time, just through talking, just through opening up and, and being in an environment where I felt like I was being listened to and there were other guys going through similar problems and feeling like I wasn't on my own for the first time in a long time. Um, and I knew at that point that we needed to share this platform as far and wide as possible and provide other men with with that same platform, um, that same outlet. Um, and from there, I went on to facilitate our flagship group here in Halifax. And um, before we went into lockdown, that was having about 70 guys a week attending that session. And I did that for about four years as a volunteer. And then in September of last year, I actually took on a, a job working full-time for Andy's Man Club. So now I've gone from being that one man who walked through the door in, in need of support to opening the door to other guys coming through and now helping shape the, the future of the organisation and looking after our network of volunteers and, and, and raising the profile of Andy's Man Club and helping spread the word. Brilliant. So just taking you back to when you first walked through that door, I mean, I mean, that must have been quite an intimidating thing to do to start with when you've not done something like that before. You know, you don't know anyone and you're going to talk about your know, personal things to you. I guess that was quite a brave thing to do at the time to walk through that door. Yeah, it was possibly one of the most difficult doors I've walked through in my life. But like I said, I knew that something needed to change. And this was um, a little bit less formal than the other routes rather than going through counselling or you know medication or anything like that. It was an opportunity to connect with like-minded men who might be in a similar position. And I knew 
that the only way that that was going to succeed is if I was honest. I've not necessarily been lying to myself for a long time. I knew that there was something wrong. I knew that um, I wasn't in the best shape that I'd been, but I probably was lying to everybody else around me. I had that mask on. Um, I didn't want to burden other people with my problems. I wanted to carry on being the sort of the life and soul of the party, if you like. But it's probably one of the most rewarding um, doors I've ever walked through. Yeah. Even from that very first night, the impact that it had on me, knowing that it was okay to to share these things, these yeah. things that for such a long time I'd been carrying by myself. It's interesting, isn't it? Because often you hear in society that especially men should should man up and you know they shouldn't talk about their feelings and that that is not what a, a man does. And you know, do, have you come across like stigma like that before? And kind of what would you say to that? Absolutely. I think we live in a culture, especially as men, of um bravado. Um we are are scared to give any vulnerability away. And now that's as a result of sort of the, the banter that we have with each other and um, but also how we are deemed to appear as a man. People want to put on the, the best impression and that they're, they're strong and they can deal with all the challenges that life might throw at them. Now, to that I say that it's much braver and it takes much more strength and courage to actually face these problems and to actually openly speak about them. Um, Throughout my time with Andy's Man Club, I've seen thousands of guys walk through that door, make that, that step over the threshold. And the transformation in those guys from, from the point where they're at the crisis in their life, where they need to reach out to the spot, uh, to a lot of them who've gone on to open the door for other guys coming through, or they've you know saved their, their marriage that was in trouble, or they've got themselves back into work, or broken relationships, or whatever it might be. But those guys wouldn't have been able to do that if they'd have carried on on the path they were on through facing those um, demons, if you like, those problems that they were struggling with, um, talking through them with, with like-minded men who, who understand how they're feeling um, and are happy to accept those those feelings and emotions as well. Um, it really is phenomenal. It's, it's life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to talk about, obviously, we're, we're still coming out of a global pandemic. We're recording this at the end of November in 2021. I mean, how have the last two years been for you? And I'm sure, obviously, for everyone as a whole, it's been a, a difficult time. But I just wonder what your thoughts were around the kind of effects that we're going to see in terms of people's mental health as as, as we've been living in a pandemic for, for nearly two years now. I think we're only just starting to scratch the surface of it, if we're honest. Um, I, I said to my partner whilst we were in the middle of the first lockdown, um, it's going to be a while before we realise the, the true impact of this. When you're living through a trauma, um, you don't realise the impact it's having on you at the time. It's only when you look back on it that you can identify that. Um, and I think at the moment, as things are starting to get back to some sort of normality, people are starting to realise what it is that they've missed out on over the last couple of years. We're definitely, I definitely um, aren't taking the little things for granted. Um, I've got a daughter who's just gone too. So for the majority of her life, we've been under some sort of lockdown restrictions. And I remember when we came out of that first lockdown um, last year, so she'd, she'd spent about six months in lockdown and she was just approaching her first birthday. It was a, the majority of her life she'd been in the house with us. And even having her grandparents around um, was an alien concept to her. And people that she'd not seen before or going to the supermarket or anything like that, it were we were absolutely terrifying for her because she had just lived in, in that closed bubble with just 
just us, our immediate family, for, for them all of a life that she could recollect so far. Um, mm. I think that's just one example of the, the many stories that we'll hear over the, the next months and years about the, the true impact that the pandemic's had on people's mental health. But I don't think I don't think we're at a point in time yet where we can properly reflect on it um, because it's still so so real and raw and, and close by. Definitely. And what would you say to anyone listening to this that perhaps is struggling with their own mental health? And uh, you know, what would you? Are there any sort of coping mechanisms, any strategies that you would suggest in terms of if someone's living alone and 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 they're struggling day to day? And 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 as you say, it's a difficult time right now with the with the, as we come out of the pandemic. Um, it's a it is a particularly difficult time, especially as we're approaching Christmas as well. Um, and if people are isolated, then that's an even more difficult time of year for them. But what I would say is reach out. There will always be somebody to listen. Uh, if you don't have anybody, you know, any close friends or family, there are other organisations out there like Andy's Man Club, like the Samaritans, you know, speak to your doctor. Um, find somebody who you can talk to, but just know that you don't have to deal with these problems on your own. There are options out there. You know, there are, um, there's Andy's Man Clubs all across the country now. There are, I think there's 750 uh, men's sheds across the country where guys can just go and talk openly there's all sorts of organizations that weren't around maybe like five years ago when i was struggling um that will help you through it and even if it's just connecting with other people if it's just realizing that you're not the only person that's struggling that other people are going through similar things and there's nothing wrong with struggling from time to time everybody struggles from time to time um i think one in four people in the uk at some point will will suffer from mental health problems and that's that's a massive percentage um, so it's something that is completely normal and should be more normalised in our day-to-day conversations. We shouldn't shy away from these conversations because that leads us into a, a self-fulfilling prophecy where if, if we don't talk about our mental health, our mental health gets a lot worse. Um, so it's imperative that we, we do talk about it and we have these conversations as openly and as, as candidly as possible. Definitely. Do you, do you think there are things that you can do in particular to... Uh, maintain good well-being like going for a walk and you know simple things like that I think um, for me personally routine has played a massive part in my um, my own development and growth just getting out of bed at the same time every day you know having a, a morning routine before I do anything else um, you know before I even leave the house um, but for some people that, that's very difficult you know some people just struggle to even get out of bed in the morning and when you're in, in the, the depths of depression, you know, that one of the, the most difficult things is just to get out of bed. So I think um, acknowledging those challenges and giving yourself a pat on the back for the little things, um, you know, you've got out of bed this morning, it might not have been until half past 10, but you've done it. So well done for that for yourself. Just be kind to yourself because you can, we can be our own worst enemies at times. One of my, my good friends said to me quite recently, if one of my friends spoke to me how I spoke to myself in my head, they wouldn't be my friend anymore. Yeah. Um, so just be kind and try and focus on the positive things that you can influence rather than worrying about those things that are outside of your own control. Um, because if you focus on the things that you can control, you can have an impact on and have a positive impact on, then those are the sorts of things that then start to, to fill your mind and you can focus on those rather than letting the, the spiral in uncertainty um, enter, enter your, your, your mind and your thoughts try and focus on, on the positives and, and keep building on those. Um, just 
take little steps and do do something extra each day. So I, you're struggling to get out of the house, you know, go for a stand in the garden for 10 minutes. And then the next day, maybe go for a walk to the end of the street. Just keep keep building on those positives. Um, but if you do have a day where, where you feel absolutely rubbish and, and you don't want to get out of bed, that's fine as well. Don't don't be too hard on yourself for that. Because as long as you're making positive steps in, in the overall big picture, you're heading in the right direction. And you might have off days every now and then. But again, that's completely normal. Absolutely. And like you say, everyone has off days. And I, I try to, um, when I'm feeling down on a particular day, you know, I'll try to be positive about you're thinking about two or, you know, two or three positive things that happen that day. And, and I, I think it's in, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that for me, that positive mindset certainly helps when I'm, when I'm feeling quite low. Absolutely. One of the things that really helped me when I was um, sort of struggling to get up and go to work in the morning, um, before I went to bed on an evening, I'd write one positive thing down on a post-it note from the day and I'd pop it on the bathroom mirror. So when I got out of bed in the morning, it was the first thing I saw. It's a positive message from the day before. Um, just put a little smile on my face and, and sort of start the day in, in the right way. What about kind of sport or, or creativity? And uh, would, you, would you say that's good for, for, for maintaining um, good well-being? It's a proven fact that exercise relief releases endorphins and it makes you feel good now that doesn't have to be um going out and doing a 5k run it could just be you know having a having a walk around a block something to raise your heart rate and get the blood flowing um but absolutely have looking after yourself physically goes hand in hand with your mental well-being as well and if you um are in a position where you can you know get a little bit of exercise every day then it's absolutely something that i'd advocate even just getting out into the fresh air and and seeing what you can see and hearing what you can hear and, and just being mindful of everything that's around you and uh, appreciate the little things like whether it's the, the leaves changing colour and the beauty in that or whether it's the, the birds singing in the morning, whatever it might be, whatever it is that takes your interest, um, focus on that and, and really embrace it and embrace the details as well because quite often we overlook the, the little details which can be quite significant. Definitely. Uh, I, I wondered if you could say a bit about the stigma that still exists when it comes to mental health. Often people uh, in society say, well, I mustn't tell my boss that I'm struggling with my mental health because they're not, when it comes to a promotion, I'm not going to be considered for it because they think I won't be able to manage. So, you know, a lot of people don't disclose, you know, issues around the mental health because they, because they fear that there'll be reprisals because of that. How do you address those, those stigmas in society when it comes to mental health? First of all, I think we've made massive strides, um, particularly in the last couple of years around mental health and the stigmas around mental health but that work is nowhere near complete there are still stigmas prevalent um particularly in the workplace and it is a lot a lot of it is to do with career pro progression um if there's 10 candidates for a job and um, I've, I've got a record of mental health it's not going to be held against me um it's, it's a difficult position to be in however i think that it can also be um looked at in your favor if you've, if, you know, you've had issues with your mental health, but you've addressed those issues, you've taken positive steps to be the best version of yourself, you've overcome massive challenges that some people can't even imagine. Um, so I would be open and honest regarding those, those issues. Um, because at the end of the day, you've got to be treated as an equal.
Um, you know, we've got, got laws in place that mean that disabilities and, and, and things like that can't be discriminated against. And if you are in a workplace where they are, then perhaps that's not the, the most um, suitable place for you to be if, if you do have long-term mental health problems or if you've been struggling with your mental health. You know, yeah. there, there are companies out there that are very open uh, and very accepting of, of um, a more modern approach, shall we say. Definitely. And as you say, it's a, it's a strength, not a deficit to be able to talk about your how you're feeling. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I can resonate with what you just said there. What about um, media representation? You know, obviously things are changing, but 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 there was certainly a time. I mean, this is going back quite a few years now, and uh, you know, I remember the, the comedian Jasper Carrot, and he would often, you know, make jokes about about the nutter on the streets and you know, very sort of derogatory term terminology that we don't use these days, and. You know, what do you think when it comes to uh, mental health representation on, on television? Well, actually, I think it, it's made massive strides once again. Um, however, I still think that there is a long way to go. I mean, we've had things like um, the series Afterlife with Ricky Gervais that massively shone a spotlight on, on men's mental health in particular. That was such, I'm glad you mentioned that. It was such a fantastic series. I absolutely love that, yeah. It was, and it was, it was um, groundbreaking. I don't, I can't recall anything that's been done like it in the past. Um, but again, there is still such a long way to go when we've got, um, you know, male role models that are portrayed as the archetypal macho man that refuse to admit the feelings, and you know, you'll see them in a in a show sat in the bedroom crying rather than having these conversations openly with those people around them. But I really think it is important to reinforce the positive realm more. more the positive male role model, um, especially within within media, um, because we live in a world where we are surrounded by the media. Um, and I know that I'm bringing up my children to know that it's okay to talk. I've got three boys and, and my daughter that I mentioned earlier. And all of those guys, they will see me cry. They will see me cry if something's emotionally upsetting me. Um, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of that because I want them to know that it's okay to be upset. If you've got something that you're, you're struggling with, that is your body's natural response. I don't want them to have to suffer with the burdens that I've carried throughout most of my adult life. I want them to be able to express themselves openly. Um, but the media plays a massive part in that as well. If, you know, they're heroes, whether they be football players, whether they be, you know, action figures, whoever it might be, those are ultimately going to have an impact on that as well. Um, but like I say, overall, I think we've made massive strides but there is still a lot of ground to cover what role do you think social media plays when it comes to, to mental health would you say that's the, it's more of a positive role or, or would you say that's also got aspects that can be quite negative as well there are definitely aspects that can be negative um i always say if you look at social media um and look at you scroll it through you're looking at sort of a, a rose tip to view of everybody else's life people don't post the bad bits on, on social media. They want, you know, they want to show the world um, the best parts of their life. Um, and if you are struggling, if you are in a, a dark place, then scrolling through and seeing everybody else's happy moments and wondering why, why these happy moments aren't happening to me can be very detrimental. Um, so I'd always sort of caveat anybody who's, who's in that position and they're, they're trying to compare themselves to other people. Just remember that that is not 
a true reflection of that other person's life. That's just the bits that they want you to see. Um, but there are other sides to it. You know, there are things like we did back in 2016, the It's Okay to Talk campaign, um, which had a, a global reach. It was take over 100 million people worldwide took part in that campaign. And it really shone a light on um, men's mental health and the statistics, um, particularly around suicide in men, which weren't well known at that time. Um, you know, 75% of all the suicides in the UK are men. Uh, there's more than 4,500 4, men a year take their own lives. Um, but like I said it, it wasn't very well known. Um, suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 50. Again, it, being able to reach out to a global audience about these sorts of things and, and let people know that this is what's going on, um, we wouldn't be able to do that without social media. Definitely, definitely. So, Ollie, you've touched on this before, but to summarise, what, what what advice would you give to anyone listening to this podcast that, that might be struggling with their own mental health? Um, like I said, reach out. The, the most important thing is that you don't keep everything bottled up because I sort of use the analogy of, of our emotional state as being like a pint glass. Um, and if you've got loads of things filling up that glass that you've not dealt with, um, you know, whether it's childhood trauma, whether it's something that's happened recently, whether it's grief, whatever it might be, um, if that's already, you know, three quarters full of all these large life events that you've not dealt with, and you keep putting little things in there like the bus was late or you were late to work or what if you've had an argument with your partner, whatever it might be, it's, those little things are going to make that pint glass overflow. Um, and when it overflows, that's when you've reached a crisis point and you're not thinking logically, you don't think about the consequences to your actions. Um, but if you can deal with them in a more um, pragmatic approach and, and deal with them as, as these things happen, then it's going to be the best way. Uh, ultimately, you're not going to reach that crisis point. Um, but it's not something that you've got to deal with on your own. There will always be somebody out there who's willing to listen, who's willing to reach out a hand and, and help out. I said whether it's um, uh, an Andy's Man Club session or a similar peer-to-peer -peer support group or through the doctor or through the Samaritans or through a counsellor, whoever it might be, there will be somebody there who's willing to reach out and listen. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you more about Andy's Man Club in just a second in terms of how you can get involved. But I just wanted to ask you a question that I ask all my guests on the Different Minds podcast series. And I just wondered if you, what advice would you give your younger self if you had the opportunity, Ollie? I think it would be to look after myself more. I've always been the sort of guy that's tried to help everybody else, um, and not put myself first. You know, quite often the support that I've given to other people has been at my own detriment. Um, but a piece of advice, it was actually my mum told me um, not so long back. Um, in order to look after everybody else, you've got to be well in yourself. So you've got to look after yourself. And if you look after yourself more, then you can be a better version of you for, for those around you as well. So if it is, if you can't find um, the motivation to look after yourself for, for your own well-being, um, think about those that are around you and, and try and be the best version of you for them if, if you want to help support them as well. So for, for myself, it would be um, that self-care aspect of things and, and make sure that I don't um, keep everything bottled up and, and talk about issues as they arise. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So how can people volunteer for Andy's Man's Club? So Andy's Man Club is open to any man over the age of 18. 
Um, any guy who wants to go somewhere and, and get spot the chest, you don't have to have had suicidal thoughts to attend Andy's Man Club. You don't have to have had a mental health condition. It might just be that you've had a rubbish week and you want to go somewhere and get stuff off your chest. Um, we've got, like I said, 70 clubs nationwide. Um, all the information about the locations of the clubs are on our website, which is www.andysmanclub.co.uk. We also have a, a national online group where we can reach out to men across the UK um, without those geographical boundaries. If you want uh, information on how to attend the online sessions, you just need to email info at andysmanclub.co.uk. Yeah, have you got any exciting plans at Andy's Man's Club for the future? I know you were talking about London earlier. Just, just tell us more about that. That's right. So um, my personal aim is to have an Andy's Man Club within half an hour of everywhere in the UK, um, which is quite ambitious um, for such a young organisation. We've only been going for about five years. But we've made massive strides towards that. And one of the key parts of that is um, getting a club open in London. Now, we're an organisation that was uh, born in, in Halifax in West Yorkshire. We're quite far up in the north. Um, and we've got lots of clubs around this region. We've got a few scattered around down the south. But what I really want is to get a whole network of groups within London. Um, but in order to do that, we need uh, facilitators to be able to run those groups. So if anybody that's listening is, wants to get involved and, and help us open up clubs across London, then please do just drop us an email on info at andysmanclub.co.uk. Brilliant. Ollie, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. And, and I think uh, obviously it's brave of you to share your story. And in doing so, you're going to help many other people. So yeah, keep up the good work. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much, John.